are continuing our series on the parables of Jesus Christ. As we kind of come to the end, we've got a couple more to deal with, but we're kind of coming towards the end of our study. This morning, we're going to find ourselves in Luke, um, and and this story, I need to give you a lot of background before we read the passage so that you understand what's happening. In Luke chapter 14, which is where we're going to be, the Pharisee, a Pharisee, decides that he wants to invite Jesus to dinner. Now, his motives are not pure in inviting him because often they would invite Jesus to try to trip him up or to trick him or to back him into a corner or try to catch him in something that he says. And so we find in Luke chapter 14, that's the background behind the story. So they invite Jesus to supper, and they invite him on the Sabbath. As Jesus is there at the meal, a man is there also with droopsy, or he's lame, and he has an ailment. Now what's interesting is normally these are not the people they would invite. He's a plant. He's a setup. And they bring him and set him in this, in this dinner thing close to Jesus to see what Jesus is going to do. You see, they want to know if Jesus is going to ignore him or pay attention to him. If they ignore him, then they can say Jesus has no compassion. If he heals them, they're going to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. So they're kind of backing him into a corner. So Jesus in this story basically looks at the man and heals him on the Sabbath. Then he turns around to the Pharisees and all of the religious rulers and all the cronies that are gathered there. And he looks at him and he says, "Uh, by the way, doesn't your law teach that if this was an ox in a ditch, I could pull it out? Now they're struggling because they're thinking, well, I can save my ox, but I can't help a man. So they're seeing the hypocrisy in what they believe. And then, instead of stopping there, Jesus decides to keep poking the bear. And so Jesus looks at around, and he looks at the crowd that's gathered. And as he looks at the crowd that gathered, he says, when you have a feast, when you have a dinner, he said, don't invite people that can do something for you. Invite the lame. Invite the poor. Invite the, the, the struggling. Now, we're going to get to why he used specific groups of people in a minute. And then, if that wasn't enough, he pokes the bear even further. And he looks at them and he says, um, and by the way, because they're jockeying for position at the table, who sits where? Who gets in the important spot? Jesus said, and by the way, you don't need to be jockeying for positions at a table. In fact, when you come to a dinner, you take the lowest seat and then allow somebody to come in front of you and say, hey, look, I don't want you to sit here. You need to sit here. Let them move you to a place of higher position. Don't assume it for yourself. And at this point, you can cut the tension in this room with a knife because Jesus has basically insulted All of these people who should be, he should be talking about how religious they are and how great they are and how important they are. 
So one guy decides to kind of cut the tension. And what he does is he says, blessed is everyone who will eat in the kingdom of God. Now, that doesn't mean a lot to us, but you need to know that in this culture at this time, that was a standard toast at a meal. It actually had a link back to Isaiah. We'll talk about that in a second. And normally, when anybody made that as a toast, here was the response that most people said. Oh, Lord, may we be among the righteous and be counted worthy to sit with men of renown on that great day. That was the standard response. Just like, you know, on Easter, you know, um, we will say he is risen, and your standard response is he's risen indeed. In the same way, when this toast was normally made, there was a normal response. But So he makes this toast to Jesus, expecting Jesus to all of a sudden come back. And Jesus comes back with this parable. Now, a little more background, and then we'll get to the story. It's very interesting because what this toast refers to is a passage in Isaiah chapter 26 about the Great Supper. And in the, in the world at this time, there was a lot of belief that there, in the end times, there's this great supper, and it's all the people who are God's people. When we get into what we call extra-biblical literature, and what that means is there's a lot of stuff that was written around the time of the Bible that's not necessarily in the Bible, it's not necessarily the Bible. But they give us some great historical background. There is a book... Um, called the Book of Enoch. It was written about 2nd century B.C., and it talked about this feast. Listen to what it says. It is said that while Gentiles would be included in the banquet, the angel of death would show up. He would destroy all of the Gentiles, and the banquet hall would run with blood. That's what some of them believed. There was another group of people around this time in the, in the uh, Qumran community, that's where we found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they wrote as well, about the, as, as well about this banquet. And here's what they said. No one can attend the banquet who is smitten in his flesh, paralyzed at his feet or hands, lame or blind or deaf or dumb or smitten in his flesh with a visible blemish. So they believed that basically at this great feast at the end time, there were only going to be super religious Jewish people. And they considered it, that's why the toast would say, the response would be, oh Lord, may we be among the righteous. We are going to be a part of that because we're so religious. That's the mindset that exists, okay? So now with that in mind, Again, I've laid out the principle. Instead of giving the typical response, Jesus now starts with this parable, the last thing they wanted to hear. Listen to it. When one of those at the table heard him say this, heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus doesn't give a normal response. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servants to those who had been invited. Come, everything is now ready. But they all began to make excuses. The first one said, I bought a field, I must go and see it, please excuse me. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out, please excuse me. 
Still another said, I just got married. I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. The owner of the house became angry. And he ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done. There's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of these who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. So Jesus now tells this story. And as we look at it, for some of us, we, we, we look at it and go, well, I can kind of understand, but you, you, you need to understand. When Jesus tells this parable, people are just shocked at somebody who would respond like this because this is ludicrous. This, this whole parable that he tells is so out of character because when you understand the culture and when you understand the tradition, you start to understand why this thing was so out of whack. So let me explain to you, first of all, about the way uh, an invitation would work like this. In this culture, we've talked about this for wedding. In this culture, what would happen is you would have an invitation where I'd send out. So let's say I was going to do a, a big party at my house. I'd send out an invitation to you. We'd call it a save the date thing. And I'd say, hey, look, I'm going to have this big party at my house. Are you going to, can you come? Well, I don't have the date, but I'm going to tell you, you know, it's going to be somewhere around the third week in October, whatever else. And you'd either say yes or no. Now, in that culture, when you said yes, that was a guaranteed yes. That wasn't a maybe yes, because I was going to go out and, and kill animals and slaughter things and have this feast prepared, and I'm banking on you coming. It's kind of like if somebody does a big fancy wedding, and it's like a $50 a plate meal, and they ask you if you're coming, and they only let you bring a plus one, you know, because they know... You coming to their wedding thing is a $100 bill out of their pocket. And, and by the way, there's a, there's a whole lot of debate right now in some of these circles now where people send these out, and people say they're coming and they don't show up, and they're actually saying, should I send them the bill? Um, you know, there's actually debate in this, which I think, yeah. But anyway, um, <laughs> I think I would. But anyway, the, the idea is this. It's, it's a, you say you're going to come. So what happens is that had already happened. That had already happened. And if you did not come, it was considered rude. Uh, in some cases, it was actually an act of war against, a, uh, against a, a king. This is a big deal. So what happens is, the save the date's already gone out. These people have already responded that they're coming. Jesus, or, or The master makes this big banquet thing. And then he says, look, here's what I want you to do. Go tell them everything's ready. It's time. Come on. And they go, and it says, the text is very clear. They, with one accord, began to make excuses. And the first guy comes in, and he goes, I can't do it. I, got, I bought a piece of land, and I got to go check it out. We, you know, to us, that's not, well, maybe that is a legitimate. It wasn't a legitimate excuse. In this culture, buying a piece of property was a huge deal. A huge deal. The typical process went something like this. If I was going to buy your farm, for instance, what I would do is I would have gone out, I would have surveyed your property, I would have looked over all your farm, I would have checked out all the buildings, I would have done, I would have looked at everything. Then I would have gone before the, the council, the group in the city, the leaders of the city, and I would tell them, I want to buy your farm. And they could ask me any questions they wanted to ask me about the property. 
Well, do you know that that property doesn't have fences on the north side? Yeah, I know. I've, I've seen that. And you understand that, 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 that we have a zoning regulation against that barn? that you can't build onto that barn, you understand. They would ask them all these questions. They would ask them to describe the property. And they wanted to make sure, that was their way of making sure, that when you came back later, if there was a problem with the property, they can look at you and say, look, you've already talked about this. You, you, you knew what you were buying. You came before us. There, there's no question here. You knew what you were getting. That was the process. So when this guy comes up with the excuse of, hey, I bought a piece of property, I'll go check it out? No. So everybody listen to this story and go, that don't happen. I mean, even today, you know, it, it's easy to be your own salesman for your house, isn't it, Vicky? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. I mean, you know what has to happen. I mean, you've got to get the abstract brought up to date. You've got to get the, 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 the zoning or all of the property lines, and you have a surveyor come out, and you got this whole stack of paperwork that you sign, having no idea what you sign, but in order to get a piece of property, because they, they, they want to make sure everything's covered. This guy bought it, and then he goes, oh, have you looked at it yet? No, 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 it doesn't work like that. So it's just an excuse. The second guy, and again, it looks like, he, you know, I bought five oxen. Try to, that's insane. You don't buy five set pairs of oxen, ten oxen, and have never, ever seen them work. You'd be like, you're going, yeah, you know what? I just bought 10 cars for my company, and I need to go see if they'll start. Really? I look at it and you go, you're a lousy businessman. If you just bought 10 cars for your company, and you don't even know if they'll start? You know, come on, people don't do that. And that's the story here. And then the guy who goes, oh, you know what? I got married. We look at that and go, well, maybe that is legitimate. Because in this culture... When you got married, you got basically a year off. Seriously. You were, they, you were, you could not, you were not required to go to war. You were not required. You got a whole year off when you got married. Um, and so you look at it and go, well, maybe that's legitimate. No, 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 because if it was legitimate and it was in that year off period, he would have never made the commitment to go to this wedding in the first place. So what happens is these people make all of these excuses. And basically what they are doing is they are insulting and rejecting the offer of the guy who invited him to the banquet. So it's really about priority. What they're saying, and again, you didn't do this in this culture. What they're saying is, you're not important enough to me. My business is more important. My relationships are more important. My job's more important. My stuff is more important. It's not important to me to come to your banquet. And so the people listening to this story are going, who would do that? Nobody would do that. And then notice, it says that the, the owner gets angry. He looks at him and he says, and, and it's interesting when you read the text, go quickly. I want you to go out and every person that you rub eyeball, you see an eyeball, I want you to invite them. I don't care who they are. I want them to be able to come to this banquet. And it's interesting because he tells his servant, his servants are now going to have to go to people they're not used to dealing with. And he's going to tell them to go out, and what's going to happen is, it's incredibly comprehensive, this list. It's the list that the, the Qumran people said couldn't come to the banquet. And it's interesting, the people that he invites, that he specifically says here, are people who don't have the excuses the first group has. Invite the blind. 
They can't go out and look at a new piece of property. Go ask them. Take those who are crippled. Because they're not going to be plowing, checking out new oxen. Take the poor. Take the lame. In that culture, lame people usually did not marry. Um, They needed somebody to take care of them. He says, that's who I want you to go get. Now, you need to understand, these are people who have never been, who have probably never, ever, 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 ever been invited to a banquet like this. They weren't worthy. They didn't have all of the check marks that everybody else did. So all of a sudden, the owner says, I want you to go get those people. And the servants come back, and they go, hey, we maxed it out. We found everybody we could find, and we still got room. He says, all right, now I want you to go out to the highways and the hedges. In other words, here's what it was. He said, I want you to go to people who are not even comfortable about being around other people. These are people who socially don't fit in. These are people who socially want nothing to do with society. I want you to go, and I want you to get those people. Homeless, people who are living out in caves or under, not underpasses like we think of, but, but little places of ditches where there's road. I want you to go find those people. Invite them. And here's the thing. When you invite them, you need to understand that they're not going to feel like they could come. So you need to compel them. You need to convince them that I want them here. And so he goes, and so the servants now have to go out and do that. And they get the place full, and then he says, close the doors. So when that guy's done looking in his field and he comes knocking at the door and wants to be part of the banquet, he's never coming in. The guy who checked out his oxen and test ran all of them, he's not coming in. That person shows up with his wife and wants to walk into this banquet, he's out. The door's closed and they're never going to get another shot at it. Done with those people. They had their opportunity. They don't get another one. I'm going to have this banquet with people who want to be here. And it's going to be an incredible celebration. That's the story. So let's talk about application for us as we head into this week. Two ideas. And I've, I've done this with the last couple of parables that we've looked at. I think there's a, there's a application in here to people who have nothing to do with Jesus and haven't put their faith and trust in him, and people who have. So let me talk to those of you that, that, that might be in that first group. You're not a Christian, for whatever reason. You have in your world, I don't know, it might be your stuff is getting in the way. It might be your job or your career is getting in the way. It might be your relationships getting in the way. You have somebody in your family that doesn't want you to have anything to do with Christianity. I don't know what, what the reason is. But here's what I want you to understand. I want you to understand that Jesus offers this invitation to anyone. And it's a very simple invitation. Come. Everything's ready. You don't need to do anything. He didn't say, go to these people and say, hey, clean up a little bit, go find something else to wear, and then come to the banquet. He said, just come. Broken? Come. Messed up your life? Come. Don't want anything to do with society, hiding, you know, don't feel like you're worthy, come. He opens this invitation to anyone. 
And that's what you need to understand. You know? I have people who are like, oh, you know what? I, you know, I, you know, I mean, I came to church, but I'm surprised the building hasn't collapsed. That's who it's for. That's who it's for. To this day, we will tell you this. You know why we're here? We're here for the people who've never yet walked in those doors. So we're here. You say, well, do you have to be like, what about walk in, come, say yes, accept Christ. Well, you'll grow. You'll have a great time with the banquet. You go, it can't be that easy. Why would Jesus make it hard? He just needs a yes. That's it. That's it. You go, well, you don't understand. You don't know my background. You don't know my God. In fact, it's interesting. When you look at the people that Jesus, that the master sells to go out and get, it's the same people earlier in the chapter that Jesus says, when you have a banquet, here's who you ought to be inviting. In fact, I would argue this. The more messed up you are, the more you ought to say yes, because you're who the whole thing's for anyway. And if you want to come in here and go, oh, you know what, I got my act all together, you know, and I'll just add Jesus to my life. Well, it ain't for you then. It's not what it's about. You go, well, you know, I come in here and everybody like, you know, they, you know, they like know these Bible verses and that, it doesn't, so what? You want to get there, you'll get there. You just got to say yes. You know, I just can't believe that it's, that it's that simple. It's that simple. That's why he tells this parable. Come. It's interesting because when you look at the invitation specifically, he says, come because all things are ready now. And that was, that's what I would challenge you with. You come. You go, well, do I need to do a bunch of stuff? You just need to say yes to Jesus. That's what you need to do. Was it like potluck today? I need to bring something? Nope. Come. That's it. Now. Because see, there's a day coming the door closes. And there's no second chance. There's no second chance. When the door's shut, the door's shut. When you take your last breath, that's it. There's no, well, you know, maybe God will understand. No, he won't. Because God gave you, every time your heart beats, it's an invitation to say yes. Every breath that you take is an invitation to say yes. When you go your lifetime having said no, 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 no. After opportunity, after opportunity, after opportunity, God just going to simply say, you called it. No. In fact, read the text again. Read the parable again. No one who refused the invitation will be at this banquet. No one. And what I would say to you is I don't care about your background. I don't care about what you've done, what you haven't done, what you should have done, how you were raised. God doesn't care about it anyway. God says, look, I want you to be part of my kingdom. I need you to say yes. That's it. To those of you who have said yes, I think there's a challenge in this passage to us. I think in this passage, we're somewhat as the servants that are the servants of the master. 
Here's what I think is fascinating in this story, is they are told to go right away to a whole bunch of people that are way outside of their comfort zone. Way outside of their comfort zone. Unfortunately, most of us are more like the first group where we've got our money, we've got our possessions, we've got our stuff, we've got our relationships. And sometimes we get let that get in the way of doing what we need to be doing. And when the servants come back and said, everybody said no, then he looks at him and says, all right, here's what you need to do. You need to go find the blind. The blind the lame. You need to go find people who are not like you. You need to step way outside your comfort zone. You need to think about those people who are marginalized, who are rejected by society, who no one wants to do, who are sitting on the fringes of the world. That's who you need to go talk to and invite. And you go, I'm not comfortable around those people. Exactly. But that's who the kingdom's all about. Because the bottom line is, all of the issues with them are really issues that you have in a spiritual sense, maybe not in a physical sense. You're broken. You needed Jesus. You're maimed. You needed Jesus. You're blind. You needed Jesus. And he's saying, I want you to go out to those people. Yes, they're going to be way outside your comfort zone. Yes, it's going to be a struggle. And then when they come back and go, you know what, we've done it with everybody we can. And then he goes in and says, oh, no, 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 you forgot one group. There's people who are living under bridges. There are people who want nothing to do with society. There are people who way, they're, they're not just, I've asked you to reach the fringe. We're going way outside the fringe now. I want you to go get those people. And they're going to look at you and go, you know what, I'd love to come to church, but I, I'm just, you know, I mean, I just don't have anything nice to wear. And I want to say, have you seen how we dress? You know? I mean, you know, it's not about how you dress. It's about whether or not you're here. Well, you don't understand. I just wouldn't fit in. I don't know. We're pretty messed up. You go, oh, no, I don't want to come to a church with people like that. Then this ain't for you. I'm just going to tell you right now. Because we're just a bunch of broken people struggling to try to be more like Jesus every day of the week. That's what we are. And you want to know who's at the banquet? Those people. He's talking to a bunch of people who think they have their act together, who think they're going to be at the banquet. And Jesus already told them, you know what? The harlots and tax collectors are getting there before you guys. I mean, he's not making friends and influencing people in a good way here. He's just telling them straight up in love, this is what it's like, and you need to understand it. And for us, I think sometimes we forget that we're called to reach those people that are not like us, where we're a little uncomfortable or maybe a lot uncomfortable. So let's get really practical. Here's who, here's, who I think, here's who I think you need to focus on this week. You think about the place you work. There's somebody at work that's way out on the edge that nobody wants to talk to. Everybody goes, you know, they're just a little odd. You want to kind of keep your distance from, from him or her. You know, they just don't have it all together. There's your ministry this week. There's your ministry this week. 
God brings somebody like that across your path this week. You're sitting in a, you're standing on the line to check out, and there's that. You know what I'm talking about? There's that person that's not like me, the lot not like me. There's my opportunity. There's my opportunity. Why? Because that's what the kingdom of heaven's all about. And sometimes we get, we look at it and we go, well, you know. You know, they just, you know, I don't don't know. I don't even, you know, I don't know how to reach those people. You think these servants knew how to go out and connect with these people? And Jesus tells them, compel compel them. I want you to convince them. They need to be at this banquet because I want them there so badly. That's your job. You're my servant. Go convince them. Compel them. Get them to come in. I want them as part of this banquet. That's our calling. That's our calling. So I just want to challenge you this week. Because for those of you who are Christ followers, those of you who are Christians, those of you who are disciples, find that person that's way out on the edge. Because God says, look, I guess you've heard me say this before. You won't see an eyeball this week that God doesn't love, care about, and want part of his kingdom. We have to ask God to open our eyes and give us that passion and help us to see those people that way. Not the way everybody else sees them. And for those of you who have never accepted Christ, I beg you, I beg you, come, say yes, be a part of it, and watch what God will do. So I end this morning with this idea. The great banquet parable reminds us that the invitation to accept Christ is offered to everyone without discrimination. Every person decides in this world to accept or reject God's invitation of salvation. Those who reject it here will not get another opportunity in the world to come. Those of us that are Christians are challenged to invite everyone to be a part of this kingdom. Because God wants his banquet table as full as possible with everyone who will say yes. Let's pray. Lord, help us. God, it's so easy to get caught up in our little world. Don't let us do that this week. Open our eyes. Help us to be able to be an encouragement, a blessing, a hope to many who we will see this week who have no hope, who are struggling, who are out on the edges of our society, and they think, Lord, that no one cares or no one notices. Lord, may we be the ones to compel them, to encourage them, to help them see that you so desperately want to be a part of their lives. And Lord, for those who continually say no, may you open their eyes that they may accept you with their whole heart. These things we ask in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to sing the first verse, cleanse me. Let's stand together as we sing. Mm -hmm.